What up, friends? How are we doing? Good. Are you sure about that? Half the room said good. The other half said, I'm not sure what he's talking about. All right, so really quickly, my name is Ka'eo. Say it with me. Ka'eo. If you say K-O, you're saying cornucopia, which means I'm full of food, which I'm currently not. Uh, so don't call me fat in Hawaiian. That's what it is. Uh, but yes, my name is Ka'eo, and I'm so glad to be hanging out with you today. And we practice that because most of the time people are like, mm, I don't necessarily want to say or talk to you because I don't know how to say your name. You're like, oh, that guy. Um, but yeah, so say it with me one more time. Ready? And Ka'eo. Excellent. That is my name, and names matter. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to, guess what book? Daniel. Daniel. Excellent. We're going to be in Daniel, and just to kind of start it off for a little bit, we're just going to be hanging out in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and verse 2. That's really it. Um, because we want us just to get a slow intro into that. Honestly, the video covered a lot of things that we're going to hit throughout this week. Um, but that's where we're going to be hanging out. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. Blink twice when you get there. Cool, we're not even fluttering, so we aren't there yet. Uh, but that's where we want to get to. Daniel, hey, and if this is your first time experiencing the Bible, or you're like, I honestly only use the Bible app. I don't even know how to do this like paper thing. There is a thing at the beginning called the table of contents. You can go there. It's no shame or condemnation for you. I had to look that up for Daniel. I got stuck at Ezekiel and didn't know where Daniel was. Look it up. You'll find the page number. If you got a buddy next to you, maybe they can help you out. Listen, it's in what part of the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament? Old. So if you get to Matthew, Mark, if you see some of those things, you have gone way too far, my friends. You want to head back uh, and get to Daniel. And so while we're getting there, look, I want us to, I'm going to intro myself really quickly while we're turning there. Like I said, my name is Ka'eo. I'm down in Fresno slash Clovis at the Well Community Church. I'm technically a high school pastor, but here's a little secret. This age group is the best age group. Don't let the high schoolers tell you otherwise, okay? And what's so funny is, I don't know about you, but oftentimes um, my students um, who tend to be roughly your age are always like, Ka'eo, as soon as I get to high school, things will be better. Ha <laughs> ha! Nope. Enjoy where you're at right now uh, because you're not where you used to be or you're not where you're going to be. You're in the middle and that's where God promises to meet you. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the week. I'm married. Yes, I know I don't look that old, but yes, I am married and we'll be uh, eight years in October. My wife will be here later this week. Um, but we don't have any kids. But if you ask my wife, she'll say, we do. We have two. Um, one is, they're just two dogs. Um, and it's really funny. I know they're not like kids, but my wife treats them like that. Uh, we have, my wife has this thing for miniature things, hence why I'm married to her. And um, we have, instead of having a Doberman Pinscher, we have a miniature Doberman Pinscher. Instead of a, uh, it's or instead of a Greyhound, we had an Italian Greyhound. And instead of a uh, Fox Terrier, we have a toy Fox Terrier. Uh, and so that's just a little bit about me. But that reminds me, I want to get to know you this week. So on the count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three. Don't do it yet. Say one, two, three. And I'd just love for you just to shout your name. All right? Okay, ready? Here we go. Just your name. That's it. Just, one, just your first name. Here we go. One, two, three. That's good. What's so funny is someone over here just went, ah. <laughs> I don't think that's your name, but they just want an excuse just to shout, which is so funny. Um, it's a good time. Now, look, listen. Okay, now, wait, hold on. Are we at Daniel chapter 1, verse 1? 
Yeah, excellent. Great job, guys. I'm proud of you. Okay, so like Biscuit said, which is so funny that that's his name, um, because I call him Russell, or, you know, but he, Biscuit is his name. I love that. Um, and names matter. It's going to be a theme for today. Like Biscuit said, hey, we live in a world that's pretty tough. And would you agree? Yeah, wow, that's awesome. Uh, some of you are like, <laughs> some of you were so emphatic with your yes. I love to meet you. But yeah, we live in a world that's just really tough. Um, and uh, what's funny is, hold on really quickly, we're going to do an exercise. This is a trust room. Everyone say trust room. Excellent. So there is no shame and condemnation in this room. So what's going to happen right now is I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. Yep, just close them. Close them. If you keep your eyes open, you're breaking trust. And I just said this was a trust room. So close your eyes. Whoop. All right, now raise your hand if some of you are trying to be sneaky about breaking trust. Let's not do that. Raise your hand if you are in fifth grade. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you're in sixth grade. Excellent. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you're in seventh grade. Okay, raise, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you're in eighth grade. Cool. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you're a ninth grader. Nice. And then raise your hand if you're a 10th grader. What's so funny is the ones who already raised their hand for 6th grade is raising their hand for 10th grade. Love that. You can open up your eyes. Great. Here we go. So I wanted us to talk about that because what happens usually is that people often say, oh, you're not experiencing anything hard right now. Right? Lots of older people in your life are like, oh, when you will, when you get older, you'll realize. Right? And what's, the reality is actually there are really a lot of tough things that we experience. The world isn't kind to us. The world isn't fun. Um, sometimes it promises, uh, it overpromises and underdelivers on the things that we could experience. The world is tough, and there are a lot of hardships that you face. And can I just look at all of you in the eyes? Some of you already went to bed, so like, wake up. Um, <laughs> so I want to look in your eyes and say, hey, look, I see you, and I recognize that it's hard. And that's what we're going to speak from. And I pray and hope that during our time together, you're going to recognize, and I pray, uh, experience just more of a loving God who loves you more and wants to meet you where you're at, recognizing that he has never left you or forsaken you. And we're going to walk through this idea of what does it mean to be resilient in a world that honestly is going against this whole idea of Christianity. We live in a postmodern Christian experience. And so what does that look like? Okay? And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And you know who the best model is for that? Daniel. <laughs> I love it. Jesus is the answer for sure. We'll get there. But we're going to be looking at Daniel because he actually uh, processes and walks through how to be resilient in a very hostile environment. Um, and we're going to be looking at how to stand firm. Say stand firm. Yeah. <sighs> right? And how to embrace the gospel. Say embrace the gospel. Excellent. Okay. So let's go ahead. You guys there. Daniel, what chapter? What verse? Excellent. Let's read it. Read it with me. All right, we're only going to read verse 1 and verse 2. Read it. It goes, in the what? Third year of the reign of, who's this guy? Yeah, whoever said Jesus, this is not him. All right. Okay, this is Jeho Jehoah what? Kim, right? Jehoah Kim, all right? King of who? Judah. Judah. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, a.k.a. took over, all right, became the new king, all right? Verse 2, and the Lord, so if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to write down. Verse 2, super important. 
okay? Just write verse 2. Ke'eo says is super important, all right? We're going to come back to that. Verse 2 is super important. And it says, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. All right, so there's several characters we need to hit on. First one is Judah. What is this place? Okay, who is, who is Judah? Second thing, who is Nebuchadnezzar? Say Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, right? And the kingdom of Babylon, right? Then we need to figure out why in the world did Babylon take over Judah, because it seems weird. And then four, where is God in the midst of this? Anytime, hey, really quickly, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. Anytime I'm experiencing hardship, my question and my prayer should be, God, what are you teaching me? Okay? Anytime I'm experiencing hard stuff, I'm just going through it. My question should be, and my prayer should be, is God, where you're at and what are you trying to teach me through it? Okay? Write that down. Write that down. Because I want you to show, I want you to see from the beginning that God is there. All right, so verse one, we have a timestamp. Say timestamp. Excellent. It is what year? The third, excellent, the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. So the first thing we see is this is a historical event, right? This happened. This is a historical narrative, right? So this is going to show you exactly what was going on. We're going to nerd out for a quick second. Got to do it, all right? So embrace, walk with me, turn on your listening ears. Here we go. The first thing we see, timestamp. This is the third year of Jehoiakim's reign, which lands us around 605 B.C. or before Christ, okay? So I just want to let you know, it's before Jesus was here, all right? Then we're introduced to two kingdoms. Kingdom of what? Judah. Kingdom of what? Babylon. Right? So we got two kingdoms. Go like this. Put your twos up. Yeah. Okay? Twos. We got two kingdoms. Okay? First kingdom is what? Judah. Second is Babylon. Now, here's the thing. You have to figure out. Okay, 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 okay. We got two kingdoms. What is Judah and what is Babylon? Right? We have to figure that out. We have to figure that out. Right? What do you think Judah is? The kingdom of Judah. What is it all about? Give you a, what? Starts with J, ends in Jesus. Jesus. Cool. Finally, that was the actual answer, and you guys didn't shout it out. All right. The kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, here we go, uh, is the southern half of the nation of Israel. So as, if I say that, contextually, we can figure out, hey, that means that the people of Judah, who do they believe in? Jesus. Jesus, right? Well, well God, right? Jesus didn't come just here, right? God, Yahweh, okay? All right. Say Yahweh. So the people of Judah, they were chosen people of God from the time of Abraham in Genesis 11. They believed that God was a God of infinite love who created them in his image, that they may represent him in the world. All right? At the center of Judah, okay, there was a temple of God that stood in Jerusalem and it stood there since uh, 957 BC. It was the epicenter of everything in the kingdom of Judah. The people of Judah lived their lives in dedication to the Lord by keeping the commandments. Let's list one. What's one of the commandments we know? Don't murder. It's always the first one. It's always the first one. It's always don't murder and don't steal. It's like the first two. There's another one that no one ever really says. Obey your what? Yes, obey your mother and father. That is one of the commandments. Another, another, another commandments are, you shall not have any gods before me. You should not eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. Okay, you should not make, uh, not make or worship any images or idols. Great job, friends. 
All right, these commandments were written and given by God so that he could have a committed relationship to his people, not abuse them or destroy them, okay, but to be the root of, of his people in love, okay? And we see these commandments and their purpose depicted in our story, all right? So another thing, really cool, really cool like side like note here is um, it's important for you to understand that guess what language they spoke in Judah? Hebrew. They spoke Hebrew. And each person was given a specific Hebrew name by their parents that served as an identifier. And this is really important. That's why I said names are important. All right? Just really quickly, on a personal level, it ma- would it matter? Okay? No. Don't say yes. This is where we say a rhetorical question, which means you don't answer. You think to yourself. Okay? Every now and then I'll be like, this is a rhetorical question, which means you don't answer. You think to yourself. All right? So a rhetorical question is, does it mean more to you? When someone says, hi, insert your name, or, uh, hey, person, which one means more to you? When someone says, ah, rhetorical, when someone says your name, or hi, person, or hi, green sweatshirt, hi, right? And that just and it's a qualifier, right? Does it mean more? I just want you to think about it. During uh, Daniel's time, right, Daniel means in Hebrew, God is my judge, depicting that Daniel's foundation of his life would be rooted in the one true God. Families in the culture, in the time of Judah, parents would wait eight days before naming their children, that they would do so by presenting them at the temple, and that they would seek the Lord for wisdom in what to name their children. Okay, so if you're missing the whole point yet, uh, all their lives orbits is impacted and influenced by who? God. The fact that parents would wait eight days and seek the Lord and be like, hey, Lord, what would you want to name my kid? Means that they obviously have God in a very high place, high regard, right? They have much honor and respect. That is the kingdom of Judah. Now, Babylon, on the other hand, is kind of on the old complete opposite. All right, Nebuchadnezzar, his name meant Onabu, watch over my heir. All right, his name was dedicated to one of the gods of Babylon. Um, and he was revered by the Babylonians as a god himself. And another thing that we know about Babylon is, do you guys remember there was a country, a group of people back in the Old Testament where they would build a tower to get to the heavens, right? Tower of Babel, right? Babel. Babylon. Some of you, you, for the first time, the light bulbs went on. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That's <laughs> the the whole history of the uh, kingdom of Babylon can be traced back to Genesis eleven one through nine when we talk about the building of the Tower of Babel. Now remember, what was their whole point on trying to build that tower to get to where? Yes, to get to heaven. They wanted to become almost equal to God. Right? Yes, they sought to be the Lord of their own lives and reject the God who created them. God then, in an act of love, right, through his grace, does not destroy them, but he confuses them and gives them a bunch of languages, and he scatters them across the world. Right? So the very, like, center of Babylon is all about being against the Lord. They want to do life without God. If anything, they want to be their own God. They want to be in charge of their own life. And in addition to that, I just want just like, again, 
quick nerd out moment. Babylon gets ended up being used as an example, and then it's even in the book of Revelation. Genesis, Revelation, Babylon's in there, and it's used as an example of a people group that are against who? God. Okay? Their own narratives, Babylon, their own narratives about their gods wasn't one of love, love like the hum- a love for humanity like our God uh, is, but of murder, violence. You kind of heard that when it said tide or what? Die. Die. Okay? There was no uh, <laughs> love there. It was completely opposite of the, uh, of the people of Judah who believed that God was one to have a relationship with humanity. Okay? And the worship of these gods in Babylon involved murder, violence, and the role uh, as a people wasn't to represent God of love, but to dominate their enemies and enslave any of whom they came against, which we kind of kind of saw in the video, right? They had to do chores. They got stuck in a cage. It wasn't like they were welcome to a party, right? It was not kind, okay? Now we have to really quickly wonder, all right, so like why did then the Babylonians take over Judah. Why did that even happen? Why? (laughs) Well, that's a great question. (laughs) We'll get to it. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Great. Some of us wanted to know why. Some of us didn't. All right. Okay, cool. Cool. What? Why? Why? Tide, tide, tide. All right. Let's come back. Ooh. So the reason was very simple. Very simple, all right? Um, back in the book of Jeremiah, the Israelites, you guys remember them? Remember them? Remember them when they walked through the wilderness? Yeah. yeah. Did they ever, like, just proclaim that God was awesome? Or did they grumble? <laughs> they grumbled, okay? The Israelites often forgot God, and what would happen is then they would uh, just disobey and end up not following the Lord. Look what it says in Jeremiah uh, chapter 25, verse 4. It says, And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, again and again, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear, saying, Turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds and dwell on the land which the Lord has given to you and your forefathers forever and ever. And do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. And do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands, and I will do you no harm. Verse 7, yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and, and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. The reason why Nebuchadnezzar ended up taking Israel is because the Jewish people completely rejected God and were worshiping other gods and giving themselves over to their wants and their desires. The people of Israel said, or God goes, hey, you want other gods? I will give them to you. You want to be a slave to your own desires? I will let you. You want to be ruled by someone other than me? I will establish someone else. Now, really quickly, remember how I described Babylon? Was it a great vacation place to go? 
<laughs> Some of you, yes, sure. All right, okay, look, listen. I'm a confession, maybe it's just me. You can disagree. There is no way I want to live in a culture that wants nothing to do with God, a society that glorifies a life that rebels against God. There is no way I want to live in a place where it says live your truth is a common phrase. I don't ever want to live in a culture that encourages us to live our own lives, seek our own desires, no matter the cost, even that hurts someone else. I don't want to live in a place where my identity is found in the gods of money, influence, social status, jobs, my starting position on a team. I don't want to live in a place that mocks God who loves me and wants me to live an abundant life. I don't want to live in a culture where if I go against the tide of self-sufficiency and autonomy and choose to depend on God of the universe who sent his own son to die on the cross to be a sacrifice so that I could have a restored relationship with him, I don't want to live in a place that then cancels me for it. Would you? No. But what's so funny is that's where we live 51 out of the 52 weeks. You live in modern-day Babylon. You live in a place that is not for you in your relationship with the Lord, but absolutely wants everything to take you away from it. That's where you live. And that's why it's so hard to be a follower of Christ down the mountain and wherever you come from. Your culture and society that you live in, it rejects the very core thing about us, which is our love for God. So then you might ask, okay, then where is God in all of this? Verse 2, remember how I said it was important? Verse 2, where, where does it say God is? It says, and the what? The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. And now you might be like, okay, wait, uh, hold on. My gears are broken. Ka'eo, uh, loving God gives people over to bad king help? That doesn't make any sense. God is going to rescue his people and return them to their rightful home. And that rightful home is with himself. And that day goes for both of us, too, and that promise. Look what it says. You know how I said Jeremiah 25, 4, talked about how this is how what's all going to happen, how Nebuchadnezzar is going to take over Israel? If we kept reading, which remember, very important thing, never take scripture just out of context. It's important to read before and after to know what God has for us. Jeremiah 27, 22, all right, or verse 21 and 22. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah, and in Jerusalem, right? They shall be carried to Babylon and remain there. So what happened in verse 2? Those vessels got taken from, uh, from Judah, and where they end up into? Babylon, all right? They shall be carried to Babylon and remain there until the day when I visit them, declares the Lord. Then I will bring them back and restore them to their proper place. Does that sound like God has a plan? Yes. It sounds like God has a plan? Yeah. Does it sound like God had a plan? Yes, it does. Okay, cool. So we woke up here, some of you there. All right, God had a plan, and that's that's the truth for us. All right? If you're taking notes, right, God always has a plan. The Lord will rescue us from a world in deep rebellion towards him. 
and those who follow him and establish his king, uh, and he will establish his kingdom once again. I want to read you first, uh, sorry, first Peter, verse three, four, and five. So if you don't have time to write it down, if you're taking notes, write first Peter chapter one, colon, three dash five. Circle it. I want you to read that later tonight. And this is what it says. Verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, so I said a lot of things. I said a lot. First Peter right? Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I said a lot of things. If, if you have forgotten everything I started saying, or if you just woke up right now, here's what I want you to walk away with. Ready? Eyes here. Wait, eyes to your left. Oh, that's your left. Eyes to your left. Eyes to your right. Look up. Look down. Eyes at me. Cool. Now we're all back. We're all alive. Everyone's up again. Great job. Cool. So if you've forgotten everything I said, here's what I want you to remember. Number one, we live in a place that isn't really helpful for our walk with the Lord. It wants everything, it wants to give us everything and anything to take us away from who? Gee, God, great job. Yes, it wants to take us away from him. All right? And we need to learn what does it look like to be resilient through all of that. And we're going to be looking at Daniel and seeing how he did it. And we're going to recognize that our hope, right, isn't in this place okay, uh, isn't in this world, all right? Because why? Is it our home? No. It's what? What did I just say? It's against all of you, right? Where is our home to be? With God. And where is God now? Preparing a place for us, right, in heaven, his new kingdom to come. If you've forgotten anything I just said, remember this one thing. We are in the middle. We're not where we used to be in the garden, and we're not where we're going to be back in heaven. We're in the middle, and in the middle, it gets tough, all right? But what did we hear from the beginning in verse 2 and in a couple of verses later? What did we hear? That God is, or God always has a plan, all right? And we're going to see that through the rest of this week. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray for you guys, all right? And right now in this moment, I want you to key in, okay? Prayer is important. So bow your heads. Close your eyes. Zoom. All right, and let's pray. Here we go. Jesus, we love you. And God, pray for me, my friends. God, we went through a lot of content in just like two verses. But what I do know, God, is that you always have a plan. And that, God, we live in a place that doesn't really love you. And it's hard for us because that's what we do. We do. We love you. And that's hard for us. So, Lord, I just ask that you would be with us for the rest of this week, Lord, that you would remind us how much you love us and equip us by looking at Daniel on how to live a life that's constantly for you, even though the world is hostile towards us. Show us where our hope can be found, which is not in us, but completely in you. Lord, we love you. Pricing your son's name. And we said, amen.